0: You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and them. Your table is ready.
1: Live long and prosper. This is a captain. We have
2: a little problem with our intersequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then
1: explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show.
3: Well, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. It is episode 211. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And tonight, we are bringing you a very special interview that we did with...
2: With who, Miles? We did it with... um, the the folks uh, so some of the um, people making them, making it and the cast members of Star Trek Equinox, um, and um, so we, we had a nice conversation with them just a while ago. Oh, it was
3: great! It was you know it was it goes on record, Miles, as being the first time we had seven people on a Skype call. The Skype gods were patient with us. They were. We had a little bit of trouble getting Samantha Lockwood on. But Samantha Lockwood, we finally got her on. We mm-hmm. had uh, Cindy on from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and many other people, cast members that that I'm not mentioning here that you're going to hear us talk to on the show.
2: But they, they have a, a, um, ver- a very strong pedigree of, of, of talent in this uh, production. Uh, yeah. John Savage, he is reprising his role as Captain Rudy Ramson from the Star Trek Voyager episode Equinox Part 1 and 2. Uh, they managed to convince uh, Mr. Gary Lockwood, somebody we we, we talked to a couple yeah. years back. Uh, he's reprising his role as uh, Gary Mitchell, um, and we talked Cindy Pickett. I mean, she has a very impressive resume. Maybe most most of us know her as her playing the mom in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So, right. I, I think this is going to be a fantastic production. Yeah, if they can uh, get the funding, which I
3: encourage you to go support them, and you'll hear how to do that in the little in the interview that we do. You'll hear how to do that in the interview that we do with them. I would encourage you to check them out. It it, it sounds like it's going to be a great time, great fun. It was certainly great fun talking
2: to them. Absolutely.
3: Well, I believe that's about it, Miles. Let's not hold them up any longer. Let's go ahead into the interview and let's let them hear and sink their teeth into Star Trek Equinox, A Night of Time. When the interview's over, we're going to close the diner down for tonight and uh, we'll reopen it next week. And uh, we'll see you then.
2: See you then. Of Star Trek know that there are times many loose ends are left at the end of a great episode. Sometimes those loose ends will get addressed and we get an exciting sequel to that great episode. However, many times those loose ends are left alone and never get seen again, and it's left to our imagination to guess what happened to that pivotal character in that episode. Did the character really die? We didn't see him actually get killed. We're kind of led to believe they did. But it's kind of ambiguous. Well, a new independent Star Trek fan effort is going to explore what happened to two great characters from Star Trek. Gary Mitchell, played by the end, reprising his role as Mr. Gary Lockwood, and uh, Captain uh, Rudy uh, Ransom played, and, and he is also reprising his role, played by Mr. John Savage. We were led to believe they died, but did they? It is my pleasure to introduce and talk with some of the fine folks of Star Trek Equinox, The Night of Time. The filmmaker, Mr. Uh, Cameron Burton, the production manager, Mr. Jason Genser, and we have some of the cast as well. Uh, we have Ms. Cindy Pickett, uh, Ms. Samantha Lockwood, daughter of Mr. Gary Lockwood, uh, Mr. Quintos McDonald, and uh, Mr. Paris Mayhew. Welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci Fi Diner podcast.
1: Thank
3: you.
2: Happy yeah. thank, you. <laughs> thank
3: you. Yeah, no. It's awesome to have you guys on and, uh, I think this goes on record for being our largest Skype call ever
2: in our interview. Oh, definitely, yeah, yes. So
3: so it's great, and uh, Jason, we really appreciate you um, putting this all together, so.
4: No problem. Uh, yeah,
3: all right. Um, Cameron, why don't we start out with you? This is really a two-part question. I'll, I'll start with the first part here. What kind of inspired you to write and produce Star Trek Equinox The Night of Time?
5: Um, well, it was almost an accident, you might say. Um, I was working with uh, with Hidden Frontier Productions, producing an audio series telling the backstory of the Starship Equinox. You know what happened to them in the Delta Quadrant. What what led up to the Voyager episodes? And um, man, who's actually behind this whole project, uh, Eric Ninehouse, House. He uh, found he was preparing to put this project together and found me through the Audio Series Facebook page. And we talked for a while, and then he said to me, you really seem to have a good grasp on Rudy Ransom. How would you like to write the script for this thing? And well, naturally, I jumped at the opportunity. I mean, it's an amazing opportunity. I mean, how many fanboys get that chance? Seriously. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, and um, so uh, he gave me a very, very rough concept that John Savage had worked out. And I built the script around that. And over the next um, three days or so, sleep became a distant memory because I just had it so sharp inside my head that I did not want to sleep or risk losing anything that I could see inside my mind. So, yeah, I wrote the uh, the basic script in Days and it's just been snowballing from there.
3: Wow! Now, did you? Was there a lot of revision you did to the script after that, or is it is it basically the way um, that you? A
5: little bit, a little bit, but for the most part, it's still basically the same story.
2: Hmm. So,
5: I did cut some of the fat out, though. No, yeah.
2: (laughs) So we we talked about Captain Ramsey, but we're bringing Captain Ramsey and um, Gary Mitchell. together from, from the episode for from the, from the second uh, original series pilot, where no man has gone before. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what, what inspired you to bring Gary Mitchell into um, this uh, into this mix?
5: That was another part of the project that Eric Ninehouse uh, wanted to do was bring back Gary Mitchell because he and Gary are apparently uh, long very long-time friends. And uh, after Gary read the script... He decided to do the project, as I understand it. Um, but it was basically Eric's idea to involve Gary Mitchell in this project. But to figuring out how to bring this character back when he was apparently killed, you know, that was a challenge. But it was a fun one.
6: Can I interject? It's Cindy Pickett here.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
6: Sure. Eric Ninehouse said, told me that Gary Lockwood actually came out of retirement to do this. So that is true. It is, is a personal. Uh, it's a personal thing for him to be doing this. He he had retired from acting, so I thought that was pretty cool.
5: I think it's very cool too, Cindy. I'm just totally thrilled to be able to work with some of the uh, some of the best guest star actors that Star Trek ever had, and to <laughs> you know actually speak with them and with you and Samantha, and it's. It's a thrill for for a regular Trek fanboy like
4: me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wow. Ditto here from New Jersey.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We had a chance to meet uh, Gary and sit down and interview him at a shore leave convention a few years ago. Right. So it was a pleasure chatting with him then about his work in Star Trek. So I'm glad to see that he's out of retirement and working with you guys. That's for sure. Definitely. Yeah. yeah.
7: I think so, that makes all of
3: us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well with without giving um spoilers, um this is obviously a, this crossover episode between the TNG era and the TOS era. Where's the focus of this episode going to lie for people that are, you know, fans of these series?
5: What do you mean by the focus?
3: Well, I guess I, where's the <laughs> I guess maybe
2: uh <sighs> will we see I'm assuming we're going to see some of it take place in in Ramsey's time, but um, but is going to be mostly in you know in, in the TOS era, and maybe just harken back to you know the TNG era or fifty fifty or.
5: Part know. of it does take place during during Rudy Ransom's time, and but the bulk of the focus you might call as you call it is uh, during the TOS era. Mm-hmm. Cool, but we do. Part of the script is set in the twenty fourth century.
2: Mm. There's still a lot of fans of original series, so that'll make them happy.
3: Yeah, absolutely,
8: <laughs> absolutely.
3: Jason, we'd like to talk with uh, you a little bit now. Just two words: production manager. All right, um, you know, it's a role that you're 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 putting on many hats as you're trying to organize the thing. Can you describe how your role is functioning in this production?
4: Well, I will confess that my background is in IT, not as much as in the uh, uh, Hollywood genre, uh, and as a result, or or the entertainment business even in general. Uh, So as a result, I'm very new to this role, but what I found is that I am definitely wearing multiple hats, uh, doing things from coordinating group interviews like this one to working on facilitating some of the back-end production aspects, um, such as I'm working with the uh, one of the gentlemen doing visual effects to ensure that we kind of remain on track to get the ships created that we need um, for the production so that the, so once we get to that stage where we would be using those visual effects that we have all the pieces in place. What I'm trying to do is ensure that the production remains on track, uh, make sure that The whatever special effects that we can work with and that we're creating offline before we actually go into full production mode just to ensure that those pieces get completed so that they're ready once we need them. Uh, But also just trying to keep the production on track in general uh, so that we continue to move forward, uh, particularly with our fundraising efforts at this point, uh, which is a big piece that we need to get into place. Definitely wearing a lot of hats and learning a lot about the entertainment business that I was never exposed to before purely as a a fanboy or as just even a moviegoer in general. And that's been very interesting.
2: (laughs) And and also looking at your IMDB IMDb page, it shows you're somebody who supports a lot of the great independent film efforts that are out there. Uh, What is it about Star Trek and the other independent films out there that that just sort of... um, What is it about them that, that you go out of your way to support?
4: I'm fascinated that there are folks... Uh, who are so um, just uh, inspired by Star Trek around the country and even around the world that they have created their own Star Trek episodes or Star Trek off series or, or in audio spin spin-offs such as what was Hidden Frontiers and what the Star Trek Equinox project was originally going to be to, to what it is now, an actual attempt to create an actual film or um, at least a standalone episode. And, and to me, that's, that is amazing that folks put their, their, their time and effort. Uh, it's, and and it's, not, it's not anything that uh, um, it may become something more than it is, or it may just remain whatever it becomes. And it's, uh, I find it amazing that folks are so inspired uh, that this is how they're focusing their efforts. And then when you watch some of these fan episodes and fan films that have been created, uh, some of them are of the same caliber as what you get from Hollywood. And I, I sit there and I go like, that is amazing. And so I try to do what little I can to help uh, produce each of these efforts and help get them moving forward. Um, and it's, it's, I just, I find it fascinating and, and, and very inspiring.
3: And you're right. That some of the, some of the ones that have been put out are just absolutely phenomenally done. So <laughs> no doubt. Well, we we are fortunate not just to be talking with, you know, the people that are kind of making this thing and pushing it forward, but we have some of the cast with us tonight as we kind of introduced a little bit earlier and we had the pleasure to meet them I guess the question that I have as we start out here and maybe we can just kind of go around and kind of share this um, but were any of you Star Trek fans before you came on board to do Star Trek Equinox Quentin, Quintus let's start with you
8: um, I must admit I, I was I, I was never a Star Trek fan but I did go to see um, the one that came out in 3D, I think it was a year or two ago. And, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, we, I grew up in New Jersey, and years ago when Star Trek would come on, the honeymooners would be on also in the Twilight Zone. So I was a Twilight Zone honeymooners person. <laughs> but I, I, you know, that, that, uh, that last movie, the, the 3D movie, really did intrigue me. Um, I must admit, I, I mean, I've not gone to YouTube or anything and started looking at old episodes, but um, when when Eric reached out to me and uh, asked me if I'd be willing to, to, to work with him in, in this uh, film, he just, he didn't even say what it was. He just said, would you be willing to work with me in a film? And I told him, yeah, you know, wh- whatever it is, you know, we, Eric and I go way back. Um, to high school. So told him, yeah, you know, I'll support what you're doing. And, um, here we are. You know, he told me, he told me that it was a, um, a, a fan film from Star Trek. I thought it was pretty cool since, you know, seeing the 3d movie. Um, and I was really excited when I saw it. And, uh, so I, I'm excited, uh, to meet the rest of the cast in person to, to do this, this film, um, I've done theater all my life, and so this is a, another opportunity for me to to do a craft that I enjoy doing, and to be a part of something that's really special um, in the fact that it's a fan film. So Very I'm good. excited.
3: Good, uh, Cindy. How about you? How did you get in? How did you get on board with this? Are you a Star Trek fan?
6: Uh, you know, I'm not a, I mean, I love, uh, I would always, I would, I'm not a TV, I'm really not a TV watcher necessarily, or, but I um, I would always love watching Star Trek, but I was not a, a devotee. But, but Brent Spiner is my oldest friend who played Data, and in fact, when he called me, uh, when he auditioned for the job and they wanted him to do it, and he called me and he said, should I do this? And I said, "Uh, are you working a lot right now? And he actually, uh, I kind of feel like I'm responsible for him (laughs) taking the job of data. And, of course, we always tried to, he always tried to get me on the show um, because Jonathan Frakes is also a friend from New York. We were all friends in New York. And Renee Bourgenois was a friend, and it was just... But I had my own two series at the time, and I was doing a lot of other work, so I never did uh, the show. But um, Eric is actually a friend from a lot of these autograph shows we go on. I go for Ferris Bueller, obviously, and I've done a lot of things. And I always hang around Brent and Jonathan and all those guys. And Eric just called me a couple of months ago, I guess, and he said, "You know what? Would you be? In- I'm offering you a role, and it's Star Trek." And he w- told me as much as he could about it. And I just said, "Absolutely," because it's something I always um, actually wanted to be a part of. So here I am.
3: There you are. There you are. In, in-, in Paris. How about you?
6: Well, unlike everybody else,
1: I'm a lifelong enthusiast, <laughs> which, which got even. Much deeper, about 10 years ago when I began reading the novels, and I've read at least 500 of them. Oh, my word. Multiple times. And um, I I feel almost so close to the characters that I feel like I know them better than I know my own friends. So I think I'm primed and ready for this (laughs)
3: project. Yeah, you definitely are. Definitely. Yeah. And Samantha, how about you? How did, how, how did you get uh, into this project? I mean, what was your background with Star Trek?
7: Uh, my background with Star Trek is that I used to walk in when my neighbors were watching it, and then I'd walk back out because I had no <laughs> idea what was going on, and I was like five years old. Right. So for me, I, I, I mean, my connection to Star Trek is really like the new movies that are coming out, the big movies. I've seen those. I love them. I have seen episodes, of course. I mean, how could I not? I couldn't have lived this long without seeing a couple episodes. But, you know, now I see it, and I think my generation is a little bit spoiled, to be honest, because what was, like, really
6: an amazing,
7: cool, new sci-fi thing and, like, had all these awesome special effects, you know, like, even for that generation, I can't say they were awesome. But I have to say, for my generation, now looking back, we are kind of spoiled, you know. For us, it just looks like watching dinosaur type you know filmmaking so um i don't know for me i've i've never been emotionally connected with star trek beyond while my dad was in it and he helped get this like cool franchise off the ground by doing a pilot and he was a star at the time so you know i was always very like happy to hear that and proud of that and i think even now with this project i think that's a little bit my connection to it um, and then, of course, I read the script and I loved the part. And, you know, I like I the fact that I would play somebody who gets to dress up in a cute costume and be smart. <laughs> be smart and cute. Why not? Yeah, why not?
6: Why not? Cute costume, important. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. Quintus, just would like to talk to you. Um, in doing some research for this interview, um, I, hope you, I hope you don't mean me ask this. Um, are you this. Are you the Quintus McDonald who is also a, a pro football player?
8: Yeah, okay. I'm the same.
2: <laughs> <laughs> One in the same? Awesome. One and the same. I, I think you'll make a great great Klingon then.
6: <laughs> <Yeah>.
8: <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm excited uh, to be a uh, an alien. Yeah, there you, there, there you go. I <laughs> get to be an alien yeah. uh, and I can have an out of body experience in my body. <laughs>
3: there you go. Can you tell I'm us?
7: A ma- I'm a master yogini, kind of. So, I mean, I've been doing like Bikram yoga my whole life. So, I'd like to have an out of body experience while I'm shooting as well. We can. Hey, we can I've been, got a <laughs> <laughs> maybe,
3: maybe you can meet in your out of body experiences and, yeah, what? <laughs> to another level, yeah.
7: <laughs> <laughs> level acting. Actually, leave your body. Yeah, there you
3: go. Oh <laughs> um, Quintus, can you tell us a little bit about the character that you will be playing in Star Trek Equinox?
8: Um, what What I know of the Klingon is that, um, and I think in the last one, there were there were good Klingons, and when I think back to um, William Shatner. Um, Star Trek the Klingons were like the the evil force that that they were always fighting against but if my memory serves me correctly in that last one the 3D deal when they went back to um, the captain's youth when he he was coming out of the academy and all of that the Klingons weren't all bad and I think a Klingon helped them uh, in the end so uh, I'm I'm excited to see I've not had a chance to see a script. I don't know uh, the Klingon language, um, but that's going to be uh, an exciting challenge for me to to learn to speak um, this alien language. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's all very exciting. So it's it's an open book for me, and 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 I'm ready to embrace whatever it is that's brought my way um, with the character of the Klingon right, in right. in Star Trek Equinox.
3: Now, Yeah. Now will you be, uh, maybe, and maybe you don't know this, but will you be in full Klingon makeup or are you going to look more like a Klingon from TOS, the original series? I don't know. You don't know. Oh,
8: uh, I, I um, I, <laughs> I, I'm actually growing dreadlocks now and, and Eric saw a picture on, uh, Facebook and, and he got really excited about, about the picture. So, um, who knows? Maybe you know. I, you know. If they decide, the the producers decide to do something funky with my face and leave my hair. If they decide to put me in full costume, whatever it is, uh, I'm going to embrace it and roll with it.
2: Ms. Pickett, in in doing some research for this interview, and and you mentioned this, um, you. Um, about your, your 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 work with uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you have a very impressive uh, IMDb resume. Guest starring in some of the, the top top shows of the last few decades, and and, and when I, when I saw that, that, that you played Ferris Bueller's mom in in in, in Fuel Day Off, I was tickled because that that's one of my favorite teen comedy movies of the eighties of all time. Well, it,
6: yeah, it's a cult has a message, you know, it's
2: <laughs> true. I mean, even yeah. if, even now, if it's on TV. Um, I'll stop and watch it because it, it's just, it's it's still fantastic. I, I think it still holds up.
6: You know, my kids are in their 20s and they still say, Mom, Ferris is on, and we <laughs> yeah. all go and watch it.
2: I, I can't tell you how many, I,
3: I'm a teacher during the day, and I can't tell you how many times it comes up that the line, Bueller, Bueller, yeah. Bueller, I mean, it just it still resonates in the society, yeah.
0: go it ahead. It does,
6: you know, I was thinking, I don't know why, but I was thinking today about, just posting on Facebook, even just that last line of 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 uh, Ferris's, you know, you got to stop and look around once in a while, or you'll miss it. Oh yeah, because there's so line. much going on in the world and stuff, you know. And and one thing that's really cool about Star Trek is it it lets you escape all of that, you know. And I think um, I think it's important for that, yeah. honestly.
2: Well, I, I know there was talk a couple of years ago of a possible sequel. Um, I don't know if right. that's if that's still being considered, but, but I hope so. That 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 would be cool. You know,
6: cool. when they did the 25th, uh, we did a 25th reunion screening, and uh, you know, the producer was there, and um, uh, several of the actors were there, and um, Tom Jacobson, who was the producer, and um, um, Jeffrey, who was the principal. Jeffrey had been in touch with John right before he passed away, and they had actually taught. They were taught. He was talking about a sequel. And he was going to set it. All I heard was he was going to set it in Hawaii. <laughs> oh. <laughs> really weird, quite a departure from Chicago, where you know we did. Everything. But but uh, you know, obviously, it never got made. I even heard that someone was going to try and do it without him. But I don't. I just don't think it would yeah. work. You know, yeah. it's his magic. His yeah. you know, he loved that generation of children, and he related. He was kind of a child man himself. You know.
2: Well, I was a teenager when that movie came out, so it, it definitely resonated with me. Yeah, absolutely.
6: Yeah. Everybody, um,
5: I'm sorry to have to interrupt like this, um, but I do have to take off now. But there's just one more thing that I wanna mention real quick before I do that. Absolutely. And uh Cindy, Samantha I think at least you two may have heard about it, but uh we currently have in script in script development right now some Equinox Origin short films that we're gonna be putting out soon to raise awareness of the project and sure. hopefully they even more support. So,
3: and wh- where will we be able to see those when they're out?
5: Uh, they should be available to view online.
3: Okay. So if they go to the star Trek equinox page, we'll give at the end of the show here. They'll be able to find it. That's right. Very good. Well, thank you for joining us, Cameron. Um, uh, and, uh, and sorry that well, we ran a little sorry longer. Sorry
6: I had to take off early.
3: No problem you at all. You did
6: a great job. It's a really great script.
2: Yeah.
5: Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yep.
6: Okay. Thank Pleasure you.
2: talking to camera. Yeah.
6: Nice meeting Just you. Take care. Yep. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye.
3: So, so Miss Pickett, did you know that when you did uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off that it was going to be the hit that it ended up being?
6: No, because he had had a string of, you know, I mean, all of them were sort of wonderful and... Uh, and it didn't. Ta- it wasn't a cult film right away. It's just the one that kind of. Ra- you know, it was the kind of the. It was the one that rose to the top. You know, it was the one that that somehow endured time. So no, it, it, yeah. I remember when uh, you know my my uh, Mr. Bueller and I got married. We met during that film, and we got married and had two kids, and we aren't married anymore. But. When we went to the premiere, it was at the Chinese, and uh, it, it, when the you know the parade happens, the twist and shout, people stood up and started dancing in the aisles. That's
0: and awesome. We thought,
6: you know, this is kind of special. You know? <laughs> but uh, no, it just evolved over the years. I I, I just uh, think it somehow just people related to that part of themselves. You know that. That you, you know, especially Cameron and how some people are like that. And and we need people like uh, Matt, like uh, Ferris to sort of get us out of that place, you know. So I don't know. It it seemed to, I loved Breakfast Club, too. But um, this is the one that became the cult film. Lucky for me, right?
3: (laughs) Although Breakfast Club has its own cult following.
6: It does. It does, indeed. It does, indeed. More, I think those are the two that have the, you know that i loved Re- breakfast club i you know i watch that whenever it comes out too <laughs> awesome <laughs> it
7: was good too 7B. risky business that was one of my favorites oh. that was cool
6: too that was special
2: <laughs> well
7: oh there was another movie that my mom almost did too it was oh gosh i'm now it's totally i'm totally having a brain fart but it was another one of those 80 movies where um, there was a girl named Mandy, and she takes her top off in the window. What was it with John Belushi? I don't know. It was years oh.
6: ago. What was this? Animal House. Animal House. That, was- oh, yeah. that was a great one, too. Yeah, my dad's- were. It was a great time for film, actually.
2: Oh, absolutely.
3: Yeah, I agree. Much more for film than television. Although television, there's, a yeah. good, there's some good TV, but the movies are what stick out to me. Well, I was
6: on a series called St. Elsewhere, which was with Denzel Washington. Oh yeah, yeah, that was. You know, I I was a doctor, and one of my patients was Ray Charles, and you know that was a pretty. I, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Oh. It's an awesome time, yeah, you know, as a, as an as an actor, it yeah. really was. It was, it was just a really special it, it, people that were making films weren't lawyers and you know corporate people they were artists they were directors and they were you know it was it was different yeah it was great
3: absolutely
1: it, the movie it, i liked from the 80s was wrath of khan <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's another great 80s movie too yes absolutely <laughs> by the
1: way animal, animal house was uh in the 70s oh,
3: that's right oh yeah it was so well oh, we'll put it in with the 80s we like we like lumping out the <laughs>
2: Um, Cindy, you've done so much in your career and and but now now, now you're doing something in the world of Star trek uh, what's it like for you now now, now to do something something kind of totally different than than you know what what we've known you for
6: well, you know the, the at this point in my career, I get to pick and choose whatever I want to do, and there's something i mean I took astronomy in high school and college. And I have always been fascinated by all of that I believe in in life beyond and all of that and I just kind of uh, it just intrigued me and um but because you know Brent and I are very good friends and it has made you know it was just something I wanted to be a part of it's kind of like a like a it's not like a social club but it's like a it's like a um I like what it has to say. I like what it what it talks about and I like the magic of it and I'm ready to be a part of something like that, you know. And the, pers- the 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 um the character that I play is an Admiral which is, you know, I've been all the great moms of the world, but she's uh she has the fate of Captain Ransom in her hands and you know, she's business as usual and she's pro Starfleet And she's a professional, no room for nonsense, but she has a vulnerable side, too. She has a soft side, which she doesn't show very often, but, um, you know, that's something we're going to work on writing in, you know, so that there is, you know, there is um, more to her than just, you know, military.
3: Right. Awesome.
6: Which makes it cool.
3: That does make it awesome. So, 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 Paris, let's, let's move on to you here for a little bit. Uh, you know, looking at your IMDb page, you've already done so much work being a camera operator and director. Much of your work has been done in directing rock music videos. Can you tell some of our listeners some of the videos that you directed that our listeners might recognize?
1: Well, the, I guess the most popular one I ever directed was uh, Onyx Slam, which is was the longest running number one video on mtv ever awesome it was, it was number one for four months wow cool. and before that it was number one on your mtv raps for five months so it was pretty much the biggest video of the year and it won best new artist video and all that kind of stuff but i've done you know a hundred music videos
3: <laughs> Oh wow. <laughs> exactly <laughs> nice nice uh so wow so music videos to star trek equinox what uh, and tell me about this transition for you Uh, how does this how does this work for you what made you say you know what equinox let me try this
1: i mean it's very easy it's almost like you guys came into my world i didn't come to yours because like i said i'm so steeped in the stories after reading like i said 400 novels um that I feel like it's so much a part of my life that being a part of this is very easy. And one of the things that Cameron was talking about, about the continuation of characters, and and uh, the, one of the things I love about Star Trek is the continuation. There There is no break. There is not a single story that contradicts another story. The timeline is always kept pristine. You could read one novel about a character and a character is brought in from another story and they do not contradict each other. Even after reading 400 stories, I've never heard a contradiction until these J.J. Abrams films came out. And yeah, I know yeah. they, ma- they made the excuse that it was uh, in an alternate universe and all that kind of stuff. But to me, I found it a little disturbing. The thing I love <laughs> about Equinox is that it's really a throwback to the feel of the original series. And going back to those characters that are familiar that we didn't know what happened to, and we get to see what happens to them, I think is a great idea. And I'm so thrilled to be a part of it.
3: So what Star Trek book are you currently
7: reading?
1: Um, Well, I'm not currently reading one, but the last one I finished was called Sarek, and it's about Spock's father. The diplomat, and it—it's mm-hmm. a great book. I've read it five times. <laughs> yeah.
3: Wow! Well, if and you ever—my
1: character will be called Sorak, which was as close as I could get to Sarek without just stealing his name.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if you're ever free to come to the East Coast sometime during the month of August, uh, there's a sci-fi convention called Shore Leave, and they get a lot of um, Star Trek novel authors there. I think. I mean, if you—if you love the books, you—you you would love this convention.
1: Well, I'm in Brooklyn. So that's not really a problem. And I've also noticed from reading a lot of the Star Trek novels, I'd say about half of them are New Yorkers. Oh, yeah, oh, you de- You're right. Yeah. Yeah,
3: absolutely. <laughs> yep.
1: So uh, I'll wh- fit right in there. Not only that, because I'm a native New Yorker, but I don't think the transition between me being, you know, behind the camera to being in front of the camera, it would probably be more um, of a an issue if I wasn't so comfortable with where I think I'm going to be. Yeah. On the bridge of the enter- of the bridge of a starship yeah <laughs> I should be on the enterprise though. right right
6: <laughs>
3: we'll get JJ to write that into the next script for you
2: yeah,
1: I'm gonna have to have a talk with him because
2: <laughs> <laughs> Paris can you tell us a little bit about Sorek
1: um, well, I mean he's a bridge crew member there's I don't have a whole lot of lines I think I have five lines in total, but I'm basically playing this almost the same kind of role, but without the depth that Spock has. I'm a science officer on the bridge.
3: Okay. Cool. Well well Miss Lockwood, is this the first time that you're gonna have an opportunity to work with your father on a production?
7: I thought it would never happen. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes it is. I'm really excited about it. It's one of the most attractive things about the whole project for me on a personal level because well, for obvious reasons. I mean, my dad's getting up there, and um, I just would love to do something fun and creative with him like this, and something we're both passionate about, which is acting. And we have a lot of fun together when we do voices and acting. I mean, ever since I was a kid, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be an actor. So, you know, it just makes perfect sense for me to feel extremely excited about working with him almost Almost more than anything, but probably just as excited as I am to work on a Star Trek project. I yeah. am as excited to work with my dad. Yeah, so.
3: yeah no doubt. Um, he is probably uh, he's probably one of the best storytellers I've heard. He, he, just, he just weaves a good story.
7: Number 200. Which one did you like?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, there's so many. Can you tell us just a little bit about your character in Equinox?
7: Well, um, I don't really want to give too much away, but she's, I, I mean, i I fear if I say too much about her that she's actually going to, I'm going to give away most of the scenes that I get to do with my dad. Okay. But I don't want to say too much. Okay. We'll, we'll wait. I mean, she's a, she's a smart girl. She's a doctor. She's, you know, she's went to med school and, um. That's really all I want to say. I don't want to say too much. Okay, she's on board, right? Oh yeah, she's on board. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) Oh, that's okay.
3: (laughs) That's important. Yeah,
7: but I mean, I think these little, um, these little short films that we're going to shoot will get to focus really individually, one character at a time. Get to explore the characters a little more and give the audience out there a nice tease for what's coming uh, in the actual project. So hmm. I think that'll be a really nice thing for us to do. Yeah.
3: Is there a um, and this is a, I don't know if any of you can answer this. This is a general question. Then we want to come back to you, uh, Miss Lockwood in just a little bit. Um, but we were talking about, do we know when there's an anticipated when they would like to release Star Trek Inquinox?
4: Um, as a matter of fact, I can speak to that, uh, Scott. Uh, the planned release date at this point is during the first week of October. Okay. For the the, for the final actual Star Trek Equinox, uh, The Night of Time itself.
3: Oh, good. Very good. Just was checking in there. No,
4: no also, Scott, I'm, I'm sorry to uh, to also interrupt again, but I understand that Samantha has another appointment. And I did want to actually, uh, if we could give her a couple of minutes, she actually yeah. produces a line of jewelry that we'd like to give her a chance to uh, tell the, the fans
2: about. Yeah, we okay. would be delighted to. Uh... Yeah, Miss Lockwood, we, we know that you're an actress in your own right, but. But um, please tell us about your jewelry making. Uh, how, tell us, and our, our listeners, how we can, um, you know, check out your jewelry.
7: You guys are so sweet to be interested. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, it's kind of a cool thing, I suppose. Um, it's part of who I am. But I'm, I created this very unique line, which are they're vases. So they're small things that, you know, they're just small vessels that you add water to. And then you can put flowers in them. And um, they're pretty unique. I, I hope I get to wear one on my character on board the ship. We'll, we'll see. But it's um, it's a pretty unique thing. They're called flurings, And they're earrings, necklaces, hair pieces, all that hold water and, and then orchids, daisies, roses, any kind of flower you want. So I'm, I have them on Instagram. I have them on Facebook. And I have a website where I have international shipping on my website. It's just com.
6: So thanks for asking. That's very nice of you to ask. Oh, that's
3: awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well,
6: that's I think awesome. the Admiral's is secretly a gardener, so you could give her one in the, in the, in the movie, okay? <laughs>
7: <laughs> we, can, we can bring back some foreign plant life, you know, from right. some civilization, some crazy-looking orchid, you know? Right. right. Idea. why idea. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, we're uh, we're about ready to wrap up the interview uh, here at this point. Anyways, um, where if people want to find out more about Star Trek Equinox and I time, where can where can they do that?
4: Uh, well, as uh, Scott, I can let you know that uh, there is a uh, Facebook page, and it will be like Facebook dot com forward slash Star Trek Equinox. Uh, there's also a website where we have a blog, which. Talks about the production, and that's at Star equinoxcom And in addition, at this point we're running a GoFundMe campaign as a fundraiser um, to raise funds for the production. And that's GoFundMe.com forward slash Star Trek Equinox fan film. Right.
3: And I believe when I was on your webpage, you have a link to that from your webpage as well.
4: We do. Yeah. We do.
3: Yeah. And so if I mean I mean, fan films uh, certainly are an endeavor of love, but they do cost money to produce, and so it's uh, if, if if Star Trek fans, you guys that are out there that are listening to this podcast now, if you want to support a good project and see another uh, film get off the ground, this is a great way to help support them. Absolutely, um, Miles. Anything else before we head out that you want to ask?
2: Um, no, I'm I'm excited about this project. I I, I like a good Star Trek fan film. Yeah, I think. There's so, so many good ones and just seeing what this one's about. I definitely want to see it when it comes out.
3: Yeah, it's it's great. It's great to hear all of you being on board with this. It was great to chat with all of you. Any final words from anyone?
7: We don't want to make anything cheesy. So, you know, we want to, <laughs> we want to make something that looks really good. That's all I know. I mean, I for sure will will um, do everything I can to help support the project to make it a, a really good piece of work rather than just something that – uh you know, just some fans put together just for fun. We want to make it a little bit more artful because I don't think my dad wants to come out of retirement for, for you know, something that's going to be not amazing. Yeah, no, no <laughs> so doubt. less than amazing. So we start with a great script, and now we just want to work forward from there. And we, I, I just think all the support we can get to make this a great project because we already have a great cast. We have a great production crew, great production company behind us. And uh, we just need more support from fans now. So it's great that everybody's listening and, and
6: tuning in. So that's it. That's all I wanted
7: to say.
3: Awesome. <laughs> awesome.
6: Yeah, you know, it's a great cast. John Savage is a, a wonderful actor as the lead and Gary Lockwood, of course. And there's a lot of talent. I think the script is really good. And um, and uh, everyone, I just think it it feels to me, which is why I got on board, like a really... Like it's something that could be uh, important, and um, um, and Jason, I have to tell you, you you make a great production manager, so thank you. Well,
4: thank um, you very much.
6: and Eric, of course, for putting this all together, and uh, it just it feels good, you know, I think uh, if everyone gets behind this, I think it can be something that uh, could really um, make it.
3: All right. Well, thank you all for coming on the Sci-Fi Diner tonight and chatting about Equinox. We can't wait to hear more about uh, the future of this, and we'll continue. Miles always brings in updates about Star Trek, and we'll be keeping. He'll be keeping eye on it and keep us updated as far as what's going on in your world.
0: Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food, the service, and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at one 508 4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifydinerpodcast.com or send an mp3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page. Facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi